lights. It's seven Friday night. Welcome to the section championship week episode of seven Friday night. I'm Sports Stars Magazine editor Chase Bryson, and I'm joined for the 18th time this season by the co-host for the people. It's Ben Enos. Ben, say hello, and then share the news of our co-host this week. Yes, hello, fellow football enthusiasts. We are in week 18, and Chase and I have not killed each other yet, although I was tempted to uh, last Friday night at De La Salle, and you will find out why later. But before we get into that, we are indeed back for another week of well-thought-out, high-quality football analysis. And why do I say that? What makes this week different? Well, we have company. This week, we welcome the fourth member of our crew, someone who can indeed define the finer nuances of a good two-point takedown. <laughs> welcome to the show, to Sports Stars Magazine's correspondent of the North, and the guy who is beating me in fantasy football this week, like a drum, Ike Dodson. Welcome, Ike. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the, uh, the wonderful intro there and also um, allowing me to score over 180 points in fantasy. It's, it's a good week. It has been just ridiculous this week. Uh, but I will refrain from my usual uh, hatred of fantasy football because we have Ike on for a very specific reason this week. He was there. He saw. He conquered the Rockland St. Mary's game last week. But before we have Ike provide a firsthand account of what will probably go down as Northern California's best game this year, let's talk. Let's take a moment to talk about what else happened in Northern California. We're going to talk about De La Salle Pittsburgh in a minute, so we don't need to dwell on that yet. But let's talk about the insane close games that happened throughout Northern California. First, I'm going to get personal. You got the closest of all the close games. My L's Torito Gauchos go to Windsor in an NCSD3 semi, claw their way back for more than 20 points down, go for two at the end, and can't get it. Windsor moves on. In a Sac Joaquin section D4 semi, Merced gets locked in a shootout with our friends Nick Coronado and Kimball. They score on a quarterback keeper with no time left, decide to go for two and get it to win 51-50 and keep their season alive. In the NCS Division 5, San Marin takes the lead on a touchdown late in the fourth quarter, and Dominic Mancuso, with an interception with just a minute left, seals a 26-25 win over St. Bernard's. And if all this might interest you, let's head back to Sac Joaquin Section Division 1, where Folsom scores with 1 minute 34 seconds left, to take the lead over Jesuit, goes for two, and it's Toure Hendrick rumbling in to put the Bulldogs into the D1 final. Seriously, the football was incredible, literally everywhere. Now, that's all great, but the game that probably takes the cake was Friday night in Rockland, where St. Mary's of Stockton gave the Thunder every last thing it could handle. I'm not going to steal the thunder. See what I did there <laughs> of my colleague. So Ike, give us a down and dirty recap. What on earth was it like to be at Rockland's 51 to 48 win over the Rams? I think the main thing is just that it was different. If you watch, 
if you just looked at uh, Rockland's season and, and what it was, I was lucky enough to go there for their first game of the year because uh, we wanted to get a look at them and also Turlock, which we thought might be a good team. So we saw Rockland Turlock. And from that point on, basically Rockland just killed everybody. Um, they had two, two times um, prior to that game where they had even trailed in a game. So when Jaden Marshall from Jaden Marshall Marshall from St. Mary's, he like it's a very clever sort of start. Before the ball's kicked, he slides to the right and starts running upfield before the ball's kicked. You know, so and we're just like, what's going on? And Rockland squibs it directly into his arms. So clearly, like St. Mary's had scouted the way Rockland does their squib kickoff or whatever, because by the time the ball was squibbed, he was just ready for it. Scoop and score. Suddenly Rockland's looking at their third deficit all year. Like that's how good Rockland is that that was only the third time trailing. Um, and then from that point forward, it was just insanity. And it was a challenge unlike anything Rockland's seen the entire season. Um, and considering what teams went through last year, um, you know, a lot of these players have never been in a game like that. Uh, and so it was just crazy to see Rockland face those challenges and then rise to them, you know, without a guy with, you know, with uh, um, without their starting quarterback normally who was injured, you know, I'm not able to come for that game. Um, and they just rose to the occasion uh, on repeated, you know, repeatedly. It was a lot of lead changes. The first time Rockland's had like multiple lead changes like that in a game. Um, it was Rockland, the first time Rockland's ever trailed at halftime. Uh, it was the first time um, that Rockland's uh, ever had like, a, you know, a, a tight game that came down to the wire, ever had to have a comeback. Um, and so you got a chance to see the question that we all had, which was like, what would Rockland do if this was a shootout? Because they haven't had one. And how would Rockland play from behind? Because they haven't really been from behind. So I think any sort of weaknesses that we saw in Rockland um, were kind of answered by the way they were able to respond, um, especially late in what turned out to be like the last, the craziest, like one of the craziest two minutes of football I've ever seen. Because we even tweeted out from the Sports Stars, if you follow Sports Stars on Twitter, at Sports Stars Mag, you'll see uh, at some point in that game with about two minutes left, we're tweeting out, you know, upset looming, you know, kind of keying that, hey, we're about to see St. Mary's win this game. Because there it's 10, there's a 10 point deficit here. And, um, and St. Mary's just scored, and this game feels out of reach. And then suddenly it just wasn't. Somehow Rockland scores uh, quicker than they had been because they're a little more methodical than St. Mary's, which St. Mary's more explosive outside of the 83-yard bomb um, from Joey Roberts to Nathan Kent. But uh, so Rockland scores, and then suddenly um, we're thinking, okay, St. Mary's going to run the clock because they haven't really been able to stop them all game. Um, but uh, St. Uh, Mary's got their very first first down. Um, and so now Rockland has to start burning timeouts. So it's timeout, and it's a run, and it's a timeout. And then on third down, they try a sweep to their super fast uh, skilled player, number four, and he takes the ball out of bounds. But now it's fourth down. And then St. Mary's basically decides, we're going to win the game right here. We're going to go for it on fourth down. We're going to win the game. And obviously, that's not what happened because he got stopped. <laughs> Rock got the ball back, drove the field, game time field goal by a guy who's literally kicked his second, third, and fourth field goals ever, attempts like uh, ever at the varsity level. And he made all three of them, including this one, which was the game tire with uh, 38 seconds left from 37 yards out. And then on the ensuing uh, kickoff, you know, everyone's thinking St. Mary's going to try to be explosive here, just get a matching field goal or something. And the first pass is, is picked off um, by Kyron Bell. And then suddenly everything's just like, what, what is happening? Because we were just, we thought we were going to watch St. Mary's run the clock out. And instead now Rockland has the ball and the game's tied. And the first play is a sack and then, what really kind of helped Rockland was the clock operator doesn't restart the clock. So the clock's supposed to keep going because it's a sack. Rockland has no timeouts. They just burn them all to be in this spot. The clock stops. So the referee has to basically blow everything dead and like 
do the runoff because if the scoreboard operates, because it gives Rockland a chance to like reset and everything. So Rockland's completely reset now and they announced a 10 second runoff essentially. So it went from like 32 seconds to start the play to now being um, 15 seconds left total because there's about a seven second time or whatever for the play to happen. So now there's 15 seconds left. Rockland's backed up. Quarterback scrambles, gets a first down. St. Mary's hits him out of bounds. Personal foul. They go forward um, because of the penalty and set up this kid who's a, a college sprinter. I found out this week. He's this kid says, I'm not kidding. He has a Cal Poly scholarship to run the 200 and the 100 at Cal Poly. He's their kicker who's fought all year just to get the job. And then he kicks his third field goal of the game after two timeouts by St. Mary's to ice him. But I guess you can't ice that, which is already ice cold because this kid just drilled it. I mean, right down the middle. And Rockland was so stunned, they didn't know what to do. Like, you ever see a game where it happens kind of like in a scramble of events so quickly that no one really knows how to celebrate? Like, normally teams would rush the field. But Rockland's like, did we just did we just make the finals? Like, they didn't even know what to do. So you can see in the video, like, a couple kids run out. It's a coach goes screaming by. And then suddenly Rockland's like, holy, we did it. And then they just come all running out. And it was just insanity. You've seen Rockland with Kenny Lee at quarterback? Yeah. Yes. And you've seen Rockland with Joey Roberts. What were your impressions uh, of Joey Roberts and the differences that they that they have? And and if Kenny Leith becomes healthy, what are your thoughts? Do you think they slide him right back in? Yeah, I definitely think it's tough because um, Roberts has been um, so performed so well. But I think Kenny's their guy. If I think if Kenny's healthy, and you know we saw him walking around, I saw him jog a little bit. He was one of the honorary captains of that game. Um, so I think if he's healthy, you have to put the guy in because I think it just brings. A little bit more he's taller he has a fantastic arm um he gives them i guess uh just more flexibility with what they can do offensively when i was watching top rockland play turlock it felt like they were running the ball because they needed to practice their run game because literally every time they pass the ball their receivers are so good and luth has such a good arm that they could have probably passed the ball every play and just probably forced a running clock by you know somewhere in the second quarter but um uh, so seeing them for the second time, obviously it's against a much better team in St. Mary's. Um, but it just felt like while Roberts definitely made awesome passes and was hugely clutch, nothing against him. He was fantastic in every way. Um, one of the, probably the best game of his career. Um, and he'll be a great player. He's only a junior. He's coming back next year. So this is great experience for him. But I think Kenny, ultimately, he's the guy who, um, who can utilize those weapons a little bit more. Um, Roberts had a, a brilliant 83 yard touchdown pass to Kent. Um, and, uh, but there were some, there were some throws that, that were, you know, that left out there and everybody knows that, you know, uh, Roberts knows that and the team knows they have um, sort of work to do to kind of continue to win shootouts like this. I think ultimately with what Kenny brings to the table and the fact that he's a guy that's probably going to play college football somewhere, I believe he doesn't have any current offers. He was kind of hoping for probably this year to really bring that, especially if he didn't suffer that injury but he just has really everything you want in a, you know, pocket passer. I'm, I'm jumping in here. I disagree. I completely, I, I'm Joey Roberts to the, to the end this year. Yeah. (laughs) So the end, the, the rust factor is too great for me. Kenny Lee's been out for weeks and let's say Rockland gets into the, uh, CIF NorCal division 600 game against (laughs) De La Salle. And he, and you put in a guy who's rusty and he throws a pick early that's a bad deal. I'm Joey Rob- Team Joey Roberts right now. <laughs> I'm Team Joey Roberts too. I just think uh, I think Kenny just has more tools. He's the he's the senior with um, 
you know, it's hard to say more experience, especially since, you know, the COVID shortened season and now the fact that Joey's played so many consecutive games in a row. But I think um, Kenny probably has a little bit more experience with these receivers and experience hitting them in stride, uh, perfect passes. I just think he has a better arm. And in this case, uh, and, you know, in a bigger game, you kind of, you got to go with your best guy. And as good as Joey Roberts is, which is awesome, the reality is just uh, Kenny's the guy that I would go with. I was offensive coordinator, uh, Tim Kenny. It'll be a fascinating case study if it comes to that, for sure. Yeah. Before we jump to uh, Ben and I talking about uh, our game with, uh, between De La Salle and Pittsburgh, I, I don't think we ever actually got the kicker's name in there, and I want to give him props. I believe yes, McGregor Kessel. McGregor yeah. Kessel. Yeah, his, the guy who's second, third, and fourth kick attempts were an early field goal, the game tire, and the game winner. You know, and two of those in the last 38 seconds of the game, one with 1.9 seconds on the clock. So yeah, his name has to be mentioned. Um, and, a lot like, of the, and a lot of the stuff that came out, you know, and initially when the kick happened, I think our tweets was one of the few ones that actually mentioned his name. Cause like, who is this kid, you know? And Cal Poly track and field knows who he is, but, uh, uh, but certainly not any, um, anybody recruiting for a kicker. So, wow. I mean, who expects that to, for a guy who just won the job or whatever, been in co- competition all year. And part of it is that um, Rockland doesn't post their, their special team stats to max preps. So it's not like you have a chance to see where those guys rank up or as a team, if they have like, say, you know, tons of field goals, you just wouldn't know. You have a guy that's a NCAA college recruit in the 100 and 200. That's what's place kicking for you. That's a uh, fake field goal waiting to happen. Yeah. I, and I asked the coach, I was like, why don't you put that kid at receiver? But then I answered, kind of answered my own question because they basically have four super elite receivers. Yes. And one of them, um, uh, Nathan Kent, is a kid who in the 200, he set the meet record uh, for that event only to be broken by his own kicker. So the kicker <laughs> broke the star wide receivers 200 meter record at the SFL meet last year. Plays kicker jet sweep. I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah. The inner Terry Edson is coming out in you right now. <laughs> well, man, that was, uh, thank you for sharing the details on that, man. That I was, I couldn't re uh, cause our game was over. Our game was over probably 15 minutes before yours was. And, and I was just sitting there refresh, refresh, refresh. My phone was going at about 1% a, a minute um, between that and the, and the Kimball game, the Kimball game was ending right around the same time and it was going nuts. So crazy times in semifinal land in the SJS for sure. Ben, we didn't see quite as good a game. We saw two good teams, but just not quite as good a game. So we saw De La Salle uh, take care of business when it's 29th consecutive uh, section championship uh, by beating Pittsburgh in the open division. Pittsburgh certainly showed uh, showed a little bit of uh, toughness there. I mean, they, they definitely hung with them. They had a lead. I wish I had looked up the last time Pittsburgh had a lead against De La Salle. I'm sure it's been quite a while, but uh, they got that early 7-0 advantage and then hung with them for a half. Um, but I just, um, we, you know, you found out before the game that uh, from talking to the coaches that uh, that Jaden Rashada, the Pittsburgh quarterback, was kind of on a bum hamstring and that kind of limited him. And you could see that he was a, b- a little bit limited there as far as his mobility goes against that pass rush. And that made a difference for sure. Even if he's healthy, I think De La Salle just kind of was able to out-physical them uh, in that second half like we saw. Yeah, it was a pretty familiar script. I, I mean, to be perfectly honest, we've seen this before. Pittsburgh it comes in and uh, is fired up and is playing well. 
and De La Salle finds a way to turn the tide and it just never turns back. And that's what De La Salle does to you. It's what they've done to Pittsburgh countless times. Um, you know, Pittsburgh got a little lucky on their second touchdown um, that probably shouldn't have been. And they had momentum going into halftime, but, you know, De La Salle always finds a way. And especially on their own field, that was, uh, I think once we got to midway through the third quarter, everyone kind of looked at each other and went, well, okay. Because like you said, Rashada was gimpy. Coach Galley said that flat out after the game. He wasn't quite right. But you can still tell the immense talent level on that team. There's just a ton of talent on the Pittsburgh football team. And it makes it interesting because this week they get a shot at redemption, which in for the last, you know, X number of years, they would not have gotten. So um, so we'll get to see, A, how a compromised Jaden Rashada can lead them, and B, how Pittsburgh can bounce back against – and this is – don't discount this week. This is a rivalry game for as rivalry ish as Pittsburgh is with, you know, Antioch and their traditional rivalry and Dale Sal because they always play them. Clayton Valley and Pittsburgh are rivals. They are separated just by one pass, one Kirker pass. So it, that will be a big time atmosphere on Friday night at Pirate Stadium. That's only one of the many big championship games we are looking forward to this week. And we have plenty more to talk about, quality title games everywhere. So we are going to initiate Brother Ike into the fraternity with our favorite segment, Fill the Gap. And uh, Ike, the way we play our game, I will give you a sentence with a missing word. You will fill it in and America will rejoice. Um, this sounds like a trivia question. I'm going to get wrong. I'm, I got to just prepare myself. Yes. Get, to get yourself mentally ready. If you need to call the sports psychologist, go ahead. <laughs> um, here we go. Fill the gap. And it's SJS themed. The most likely lower seed to win in the Sac Joaquin section this weekend is blank. Ooh. Your choices, should you need them, are Folsom, Monterey Trail, Manteca, Merced, and really, I'm only reading this list because I want to say Hillmar and mention their delicious sounding linguisa corn dogs that I found out about last week <laughs> and Legrand. Um, okay, well, I guess I would probably go with Monterey Trail because I believe they're probably the lowest seed still in it. Um, and if you look at their resume in just the postseason and the fact that they probably have the toughest schedule of any section team, like their schedule is absurd. So like to go through that schedule, still make the playoffs and then beat up on teams, you know, just to, just to start off with the, they were the team that beat Granite Bay. Right. I mean, so um, I, I think that after what they did last week um, and that was against Elk Grove, I think they're, they're, they're probably a team that I would not want to be playing. You know, if I was a uh, central Catholic, I would, I would be a little bit worried about that one. And of course we said that last week with Antelope and look what happened. So, um, but I think Monterey trail is a very dangerous team right now. You've read the Chase Bryson manual for picking high school playoff games. <laughs> I have been on the Mustangs uh, train for quite some time. All right, Ben, let's, let's, uh, we'll, I'll give you a, a fill the gap here. Let's go with the result that surprised you the most last week was. Oh man. Um, Foothill beating Rancho Katani. Uh and, and not just beating them, but beating them in the way that they did going into their house after a game that was delayed a day because of Foothills COVID concerns, uh, 
to come out and just have their way with Rancho, a good Rancho team, a Rancho team that we had speculated could be in the running for the number one seed. Um, that was surprising. And I, it's not surprising that Foothill is in a title game, especially D2, because they've been D1 for so long. But it's the result was surprising for sure. So it's good that you mentioned Foothill Rancho because that Division Two championship game between Foothill and Camp Lindo, which was another bit, which had another big upset, taking down the one scene Ceremon Valley. That's a that's a game that's that's on Saturday night for Division Two title, and we thought we might bring in someone who knows a little bit about both teams and someone that we have talked about quite a bit on this podcast. He's known on this podcast now as the Rolling Ball of Butcher Knives coined by uh, Coach Terry Edson after watching film of him. So we're bringing on Dublin's linebacker, fullback, slash tight end, slash does everything guy, TJ Costello. We're going to congratulate him on his season with Dublin and then see if he can give us some thoughts on both Foothill and Camp Lindo, which Dublin played and lost to in both occasions. They were both tough games, uh, well, five games anyways. And uh, we'll talk to the bull, the Rolling ball of butcher knives. Let's bring him on. Here's TJ Costello. Well, we want to welcome in a special guest for this week's podcast. Uh, early in the season, we gave Coach Edson the assignment of making a pick between Amador Valley and Dublin. And when we got together to talk it through, he had watched film in classic coach fashion uh, to prepare. And he introduced us to TJ Costello, linebacker and tight end for Dublin who Coach Edson saw in film and compared to, and TJ, don't feel bad if you don't get this reference because Chase and I didn't either, Norm Boulash, a running back from the 1970s Baltimore Colts, who he'd called the rumbling ball of butcher knives. Since then, we've always had an eye on TJ. We've mentioned him numerous times on the podcast. I got to see him in person twice this year, and he stood out both times I saw Dublin play. So we wanted to have TJ on to help us with NTS Finals Week, TJ, welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. This is a blast. Right on, man. Well, uh, first off, TJ, Ben and I both congratulate you and the Gales on a, on a heck of a season. And I know that as the son of a coach, we know you probably spent more time concerned about team success. But let's just toss out a few of your individual numbers. Playing tight end and fullback, TJ amassed a little more than 1,000 yards from scrimmage. He caught eight touchdown passes. He rushed for five more. The 13 touchdowns led the Gales, and at linebacker on defense, he finished with 60 tackles, 17 for loss, and had three sacks and a fumble recovery. That's not a bad season, man. Thank you, thank you. But we didn't just bring you on uh, because the three of us are starting the uh, the TJ Costello fan club. We actually <laughs> thought we'd have you on to provide a bit of insight on the two teams playing for the North Coast Section Division II final this Saturday. You know a little bit about Foothill Pleasanton and Camp Lindo. So maybe at some point uh, here in the proceedings, you can help Coach Edson pick that one correctly. Yeah, so I, I was at the Foothill game. Uh, so you guys played just a tremendous atmosphere at Dublin High that night, I will add. And, and, and while the Falcons made enough plays to big plays to pull out a victory, I, I walked away almost impressed, as impressed with the Gales because you guys were right in it all night. You know, I have my own opinions of the Falcons, but uh, our first question for you is, what was the toughest part about facing Foothill and what did they do well? I mean, they're very well coached, you know, coach Hobb, he's great, great. You know, he knows how to put his guys in positions to succeed. And also, I mean, they just have athletes all over the field, you know, Kenny Olson. I mean, 
can't get much better than that defensively and offensively. Uh, and then they got, you know, a couple of young guys that are stepping up really big for them. And they just, they, they bought in this year. And I think they're, they're going to take it home. This, I mean, I think they're going to have a really nice chance uh, on Saturday to take it home. It's funny. I saw Foothill probably in their worst game they had all season. They lost 42 nothing to San Ramon Valley, but we found out later that they had a lot of kids missing. So I've been impressed with how they've re responded <laughs> from that loss. Um, and I haven't seen Camp Little yet, so I'll be interested to hear what you say about these guys. But let me first start by uh, apologizing for picking the Cougars to beat you guys a few weeks ago. But that was much more of a nod to the Cougars' long history of playoff success and not a suggestion that the Gales were inferior. Because you guys absolutely were not. You matched Campo blow for blow until they rudely played keep away for the last 10 minutes of the game. The audacity, right? I mean, come on. Wow. But you guys had the ball. Um, but uh, so you played on both sides of the ball against that team. What did you walk away um, most impressed by the uh, with, with Campo Lido? I mean, I think their greatest strength is how well they execute the long ball. I mean, pretty much the whole game. I mean, it was 20 plus yards each completion. And it's just really hard. They got a bunch of athletes, uh, you know, a couple of great wide receivers and their quarterback with an absolute cannon. So he just puts the ball right where it needs to be pretty much every time he throws the ball. So it's hard. It's hard to keep that guy in the pocket and kind of keep him controlled throughout the game. We're obviously very interested in what you have to say about both these teams that you had to play against, but I don't want to let you get away without asking you just how far this year's Dublin high team came and how proud are you of the season that you guys had? I mean, wow. I, just seeing the progress I've made throughout the season, not even just like on the football field, but just as people in general, you know, all my teammates, we finally tried to buy in this year. And obviously it didn't go the way that we planned or hoped, but I mean, at least just making the playoffs, making NCS and having that, having that good a game that we had, uh, you know, everyone was kind of counting us out at the beginning of the season. But and everyone thought that that game was going to be a blowout, but we kind of kept kept our kept our stride and pretty much gave it all we had in that last game. And I'm just really proud of our guys this year. Chase and I have a complicated relationship with the ratings at Cal Preps, but uh, I, Chase, was it like a 10 point? I think they had predicted a yes. 10 point game in that one. Yeah, and we were just we were mocking it all week because we knew that was going to be Dublin Campo. Having known both those programs was just going to be a really good football game and it was it, it absolutely was it was just a really good high school football game so did either of those upsets last week the camp a little bitty ceremony and foothill beating rancho did those surprise you at all i think i think i think they're both great football teams i think they would have either they could have gone either way but i really think that campo played a really good game against srv kind of kept all their guys in check and they deserved that win they played great one thing that i wanted to ask you i i heard uh from, from your dad that you're actually taking podcasting uh, a podcast class as an elective this year. Yeah, it was one of our new English classes. So I figured why not took the chance on it and I'm really enjoying it this year. <laughs> What's it about? What's your podcast about? We did one on college applications and kind of like how they play effect in uh, like everyday student lives and how teachers think they are and stuff like that. So I've really enjoyed it. So having to come on this was pretty cool. That's a, that's a, that's a cool elective. That's pretty neat. Um, all right. Well, uh, maybe lastly, uh, we know you've now turned the page um, and you're, you're getting ready for hoops. And, and in quite a twist, you guys opened this Saturday against, against NorCal's top-ranked team, Camp Alindo. So you've been back for about a, a little over a week now, right, with, uh, with the Gales of the Hardwood. 
Tell me how you kind of feel about that group so far. I mean, they're just – I mean, Courtney Anderson, Donovan Cooks, we just got great. We got a couple new guys coming in. So, uh, they're definitely going to fill some gaps that we had and some uh, missed pieces from last year, obviously. But I'm definitely looking forward to this Saturday. Hopefully, I get a little bit of revenge, you know, <laughs> leave a good taste in my mouth for, for the season. So, I'm really, I'm really excited for this Saturday. Do you have a spring sport, too? I do play baseball, yeah. Too. Perfect. The yeah. throwback. Chase, we've been talking him up all season, and there's a reason. Three sport athletes, baby. Let's yep. go. <laughs> well, uh, TJ, we'll let you go. Hit the hardwood. Get your uh, practice on. But we really want to thank you for uh, taking the time to uh, talk a little Dublin football and help us preview uh, the NCS championships. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. You got it, man. Awesome, man. Good luck. Good luck in hoop season and, and then baseball season after that, man. Thank you very much. You'll forever be the, the rolling ball of butcher knives on this podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> take it easy, man. All right, man. All right, thank you. you. And now we're going to take a quick timeout for a quick message from Sports Stars Magazine's podcast partner, the California Army National Guard. We understand an upside down world, but they're writing us off before we get to the starting line. A stalled generation? Who do you think is going to fix all this? We will, because our future is the future. The next greatest generation is now. Visit NationalGuard.com to find out more. And now, back to the show. Well, thanks to thanks again to TJ Costello for taking some time out of his day. Gotta love those three sport athletes, man. They can talk a, talk a good game. And TJ, man, one of the best players that I saw all year long. We do that, and we mentioned his nickname, the Rolling Ball of Butcher Knives. It was coined by our next guest, the third member of our uh, intrepid group here, Coach Terry Edson. We welcome him back this week, both to talk about what it means to uh, prepare for championship football and to ruminate a bit on his love of picking games. In the process, we will also bring up the worst thing that happened to me last week and my bitterness around baked goods at the De La Salle game. So without further ado, how's that for a tease? Let's uh, tune in to what Coach Edson has to say. Well, we're back for another week with our favorite former sideline shouter, quite possibly just our favorite shouter period. Coach Terry Edson gets to join us after playing a morning 18 in Oakland and then probably shouting his way through traffic to get back to this podcast. What a fantastic start to your holiday week. Welcome back, Coach. Yeah, it is. What a fantastic start is right. I think you forgot to add in uh, not only, you know, former coach, but also the 2021 worst predictor of high school football games in the history of high school football. So uh, I think I've definitely taken the mantle this year for being wrong. And I'm getting to a point where I'm sure teams are begging for me to pick their opponent. That's what I'd be saying. Please don't pick us. The curse. It's alive and well. It is. It's a, it's a curse. Nothing it changes when it comes to football and me predicting who's going to win. So this is it's right par on course. I'm terrible when it comes to picking football games. Well, we'll give you a, a break from that for the moment. It's championship week across all of Northern California. And uh, I figured let's get your thoughts on what's sort of the most important part of managing a championship week for, for a coach and his staff? <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's a great question. And I think it, you know, I think people always feel like, what do you do? You know, what do you do differently or how do you get ready for a championship game? And 
if as far as I'm concerned, just in my experience, I'm just talking about how I looked at it, if this week should be no different than any other week, the preparation for any football game uh, should be the same week in, week out. As a coach, I know it always was for me. So it's, I think the differences for this game is that you just get a little more buy-in from your kids this week. So, you know, they, they, they're just like everybody else. They scoreboard watch. So they look at a team, you know, if we're playing this week, you know, you're six and one, they're two and uh, five. They're not going to get that excited to play them. They're not going to, um, you know, watch as much film. They're just not going to be as dialed in. The, the good thing about a championship week is that the stakes are high and you get everybody dialed in. So that's, that's a, a big part. Everything, you know, usually in our school, at least, you know, the kids' behavior is better in the classroom on championship week. <laughs> Nobody wants to be sitting on the game. No one wants to be an issue. You know, from the very beginning, we say, you know, it's pure focus the rest of the way. You know, you try to talk that way every week, but, you know, usually on a big week, big championship game weeks, everyone's dialed in. You don't have any issues with kids in practice or, you know, kids forgetting something for practice. They're all pretty much dialed in. So that that's the, that's the nice part of that. But in a sense of your practice preparation, you can't go, you know, it's championship weeks. So now we got to start practicing hard. It's not going to work. That should have been set in stone. Um, Ed Hall, former coach of Dallas South, first head coach, and of course he's been at DVC forever, told me, said one of the biggest mistakes high school kids and coaches make, like, you know, we're playing, you know, we're going to play Dallas South option. He told me this years ago, and people would say, like, okay, we need to be disciplined this week. He said, if you're trying to be disciplined the week you play Dallas South, you can forget it. I mean, that's got to be part of your program. On, on a weekly basis, you can't say we, we're going to do this this week. It's just not going to work. So, like, you can't say, like, we're playing Del South. we got to take special teams seriously this week. It's too late now, all right? So, so as the week goes, you just got kids more dialed in, and the coach, everyone's fired up. They know it's a big week. The other thing is, too, that works in your favor as a coach. The kids know it's the end of the road, so they're much more – appreciative to seniors are much more appreciative being out of practice. Practice isn't really considered a pain. It's like, wow, this is coming to the end. And everyone is in a better mood. Um, it's a good time to be a high school football player, no doubt about it. Before we get to picks, what did you think of, of De La Salle's performance against Pittsburgh? I, I thought, uh, you know, the, the game, um, you know, went – I thought the way I thought it was going to go, I knew they could, they're going to have, we're going to have trouble with Rashada. I mean, he's a great quarterback and he, he's a, you know, he's got a great arm. So that was going to be an issue. And it was early in the game, but I, I felt our running game was going to wear him out. And, uh, and that's really what happened uh, as the game progressed. I'll just say this. So I don't get fined. That was the most interesting touchdown call I may have seen in my career on their second TD. Uh, and um, we'll just leave it at that. Um, <laughs> Terry, you don't have to, you don't have to sell us. I've got the video. It was real, real bad. <laughs> I just don't know what they were looking at on that one. I mean, there's close ones like, oh, but that was like, really? But th these guys, you know, this isn't, you know, they're not getting paid to, 
<laughs> that much. I mean, I so, saw, you know, to get on a high school ref, I mean, come on, that's just, you know, they're out. I mean, the last thing I want is that all the fans, fans have to understand this and, and, and so do coaches too. And I, I've been guilty as charged as, you know, probably sometimes uh, being a little bit too boisterous, but as I got older, I mean, you have, to, everyone needs to realize this when it comes to high school. It's not a high paying job. And what you don't want is making it so miserable for these guys that they just won't go out there. And then what are we going to have? Right. I mean, people need to really understand that this is these people are basically a lot of these guys doing high school games are doing it for the love of the game and, and for the love of kids. And if we, you know, if we're going to start acting like, you know, this is like a high paying job and a full-time job for these guys and, make them miserable that that won't go anywhere that's not going to work to our advantage so i you know it was a bad call we move on let it go and that's the way it goes before i transition to our our picks i will say that the highlight of of, of covering the the game on friday night was the cookie that was handed to me post game made by mrs edson the greatest cookie i'm telling you she, she could give debbie fields a run for her money did you have one of those cookies <laughs> i did um, I'm going to remain. Yeah. I'm going to remain it? quiet for the moment, <laughs> and I am. My rage is going to be contained. Because do you like chocolate chip cookies, Ben? <laughs> I was told of its greatness by multiple people. Uh, and here's I, the best part of it: she will not share the recipe. That's what I love about it. I, yeah, I purposely don't know it on purpose, and people go. Uh, I purpose that's a double thing. I purposely on purpose, but uh, <laughs> when she said, when, when they asked me, what's the recipe? I can honestly say, I don't know. I don't ask because only my daughters have the recipe and they're sworn uh, to secrecy for their whole life. That's the whole, most hilarious thing. She protects those cookies like, you know, a Bitcoin or something like that. It's like, let me. Uh, it's classic. Let me break They're down. They're the best cookies ever, though. I, I, I rank them right there with Mrs. Fields. I love Mrs. Fields' cookies. <laughs> I love Aggie Edson's cookies as well. They're unbelievable. They're famous me, around Del Salle High School. I can tell you that right now. Let me break down how this went down. And when, <laughs> uh, when two people, when two people cover a game, and and you go, okay, the the guy in charge, the editor, is going to go talk to the winners. And the other guy is going to help out by going to talk to the losing coach. So one of us went to talk to the losing coach in what was a, you know, tremendously uplifting conversation and came back to the De La Salle side to find his counterpart, not only talking to the winning coach with cookie in hand. That's how this on the cookie while he's talking to him. He had it in his hand. I had it. Yeah. Okay. Ben, um, should probably make another batch for Christmas. I'll let you know. And, Perfect. Where, you can. Where do you live, Ben? I, well, I can't. I don't even want to do it on the air here. But <laughs> we'll send it to Sports Star. What city do you live in? The greatness of Walnut Creek. Oh, you live right. I live in Concord. We can figure this out. I'll give you a couple of cookies. Come on. Perfect. Okay. All right. Let's get to the better part of your show. Uh, the worst part of the show: me yeah, predicting yeah. games. Here we go. <laughs> uh. We just got done talking to uh, to Dublin's T.J. Costello, your favorite rolling ball of butcher knives. The Norm Bullash of high school football. Yes, yes. And he gave us some thoughts about both Foothill and Campolindo, um, which he played uh, against with Dublin. Um, but because the traffic on Highway 4 kept you from joining us, you'll have to pick this one without his insight. Campo took down Sarah Mo Valley, Foothill upset Rancho Catati, 
What team keeps the party going this week? Uh, I'm on the Campo train now, although I, I think Foothill has uh, set a great traditional program all these years, but um, Campo, I always go with the team on a roll. I'm not saying Foothill's not on a roll, but I don't think they had quite the start Campo did, and they've obviously figured it out. So I'm on the Campo train. How many times they won state or have been in state? They've won it twice. I think they're two and two in state. The yeah, they've been there four game. times, right? Yeah. yeah so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna jump on the Campo train. But it'll probably just breathe a huge sigh of relief. <laughs> <laughs> we will uh, we'll go from NCSD two to NCSD three, and we'll go north in a rematch of a game I got to see earlier this year. It is number one Windsor and number three Benicia. Windsor held off a furious late rally last week to beat my El Cerrito Gauchos 33-32. to 32. And oh, Didn't they? Weren't they up like 33-7 to seven or they something? They were. Yep. El Cerrito came back late, went for two, and didn't get it at the end. Oh. Uh, Benicia also scored late, and I believe it was a fumble return for a touchdown yes, in the fourth quarter. My boy Dougie, no! <laughs> Continuing a, a string of late losses for the Knights. Um. The first time around, Windsor uh, used its size on the outside to great effect and won 38 to 14. We also know from some reporting by our old boss, Mike Lefkow, that Colorado-bound corner Simeon Harris for Benicia is dealing with a shoulder issue and has missed the last three games. So it's Jaguars and Panthers for all the marbles. Who you got? Oh, man. Their corner, best corner's out, and he's going to Colorado. That yes. does not bode well with the Windsor team. Um, I was going to say take the over. Uh, that would be the safest pick. There's going to be some points scored in this game. But Paul Cronin, Windsor, yeah, I think you got yeah, – you know they're going to throw the ball. And in high school, it's so important to have in big games to have everybody, you know, all – we have a – I mean, it's one thing to have your starting corner out, but to have a D1 starting corner, that's, you know, because that takes away probably your ability to go some man on their best guy. And it vanilla, it makes your scheme a little bit more vanilla. So I, I just think um, Windsor uh, has got it going. Once again, the team that's got it going. I, I know that was actually what happened to him last week. That's a good, uh, another good point. You know, teams look at that and, Usually when that happens to a team, that's a great wake-up call for them when they almost lost the game and a team came back. And sometimes people think um, the confidence might be a little shaken, but that's not it at all. What, it, what happens is now Windsor got really mad at the way that game finished. And so that's I just don't see it happening two weeks in a row, so I'm going with Windsor. Well, if Windsor gets up you know, 21-7, they're going to do exactly what I would do. Do you remember last week? We can't let last week happen. And you just run that all the way through until the clock runs out and move on to the next event. But you just don't let them forget all week long. I mean, I would be, oh my goodness. I would be using that all week long. That's what I'm saying. But I, I guess when I said Windsor must be mad, I was probably thinking of myself as a coach. I know I'd be mad. <laughs> all right. Finally, we have the Sacramento Session Division One final. It's a rematch. Undefeated Rockland, who came through came through for you last week in an epic come-from-behind fashion. Oh, yeah, came through. Yeah. I should have lost. Okay. Yes. Great finish. Um, they down by 10 with three minutes left. Yeah, they came back. They won on a, on a last-second field goal. And then you had Folsom, 
who uh, was behind to a Jesuit, and they have their QB1 back. Tyler Tremaine tossed the game-winning touchdown, and they got a two-point conversion with under two minutes left to beat Jesuit, 22-21. So now oh, we got a I didn't even fight. see that score. Oh, is that what it was, 22-21? 22-21, yes. No, Marlon, oh! That's a, that's a brutal loss. I think I have to, I'll have to text him another day after he's finally calmed down. Okay, <laughs> This I didn't even know fight. that. I just did Folsom one. I didn't know that's what happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so this was a neutral site. Hugh Stadium, Sac City College. Kicks off, kick off Ooh. the seven. Who takes it? That's a nice stadium to play in. That's great. You know, um, I have actually now uh, seen Rockland on film, and I didn't did not know because I didn't hadn't seen film on. They're pretty beefy up front. You know, they're a pretty physical team. Uh, I know that. Folsom's quarterback wasn't there the first time around, and I'm sure the coaches will be reminding their kids that. I'm sure Folsom's going to be reminding their team we didn't have our guy, but they still got walloped pretty good in that game. And uh, this is for all the marbles, and Rockland's undefeated. And, you know, if they get up on that game, you're going to Folsom, unfortunately, I think is going to get the, oh, here we go again syndrome. Um, and then, Rockland, um, I, I just like their physicality. I, you know, it's a, uh, a team that I think is going to give Folsom some problems in that area. So um, I like uh, Rockland to stay undefeated. And I'm predicting the Rockland De La Salle matchup in two weeks, just like I predicted Sarah and St. Francis two weeks ago. I said, well, I don't know why we're making such a big deal about this game. You're going to be meeting again in like three weeks. And uh, there's one thing I actually got right. So there you go. Yeah, you did. Well, it's championship week. We're excited. Everybody's excited. We will see what happens. And we will be right back here to uh, either lament or praise <laughs> all picks again next week. Uh, don't be looking. Even if I went three, no, I want no praise. I am horrible. <laughs> I admit it. No praise. It's just like, Oh my God, what's, it's an outlier. What happened to you? You got something right. These games, this is the best right here. This time of year, it's great. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Sounds good, Coach. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. All right, I'll see you guys later. See All right. ya. All right. Well, we'd like to thank Coach Edson, as always, for stopping by, sliding in just after his round of golf. Such a such a trooper. So Ben, you've secured your, your goal in getting getting on the the Edson cookie list, and now we can move on, uh, and we can get to picks. And we still got Ike here. Ike's gonna throw in some picks too. But here's how we'll do it. Usually we 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 read a slate of six to seven games that we set out that we pick from, but since the game uh, slate is shrinking considerably now that we're just in championships, we just decided we were gonna choose three picks from either a D1 or a D2 final from across NorCal. So Ben and I will do that. We've asked Ike to come in with D1, D2, and D3 of the sack fucking section. And we'll just kind of go around Robin giving our picks. I will start. Uh, and I will start with the Division I NCS Championship on Friday night with the open division runner-up Pittsburgh Pirates, who, as I mentioned, I thought showed a lot of moxie at De La Salle. And we're very much in the game for, for half. And then, as Ben and I said, De La Salle just did De La Salle things, and it kind of got away from Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, like we said, Jaden Rashada, a little gimpy, but they've still got a ton of talent, a ton of healthy talent, and Clayton Valley will be a stiff test, but winning at Pirate Stadium 
a pirate stadium that has waited more than two years for a big, big game. I think that's too tough a task for the uglies. And so I am going to take Pittsburgh in a narrow victory. I don't think it's going to be a runaway. I, I say Pittsburgh by a touchdown in this one. You just didn't want to get kicked by the Pittsburgh coaches for the second week in a row. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. They have, they have a, uh, they have long memories. That's right. And they make up like most of our listener base. So, uh, yeah, don't piss them off. All right. Well, it's go big or go home week, particularly after a successful week last week. Um, Jace, can we please recount for our good listeners how I did in picks last week? Six and zero. Oh. oh, that's right. And when pressed into trying to select SJS games last week in a mid-afternoon text message and I didn't know what was coming. What did I do? That was seven for eight. That's correct. Okay. Now that we've got that out of the way, uh, let's transition to the game that I told you at the beginning of this whole playoff nonsense was the dream matchup. It's the CCS D1 final between St. Francis and Sarah. If you just emerged from under a rock, I'll help you out. By reminding everyone that just a couple weeks ago, St. Francis beat Sarah 44 to 21 in San Mateo. Since then, the Lancers have won shootouts against Aptos and Menlo Atherton, while Sarah has wins over Valley Christian and Bellarmine. Okay, usually I'm right there with Coach Edson and talking about how defense wins at this time of year. You're going to sense a theme with my picks this week. I'm going the other way. The lowest point output St. Francis has put up this year is 31, and that was against. De La Salle. Viliami Teu has eclipsed the 2100 yard mark this season, and he was the offensive difference maker in the first win over Sarah. I said after that game that St. Francis deserved to be favored against every single Northern California team it goes up against, and nothing I've seen these last two weeks has changed my mind. This is no means a slam dunk because Sarah will make adjustments, and I would bet a large sum of money that this will be nowhere close to a 23 point game. But I'm taking the Lancers, and in doing so, I predict that St. Francis will be Northern California's representative in the state open division bowl game. It's, it's tough to follow that bold proclamation that the team that scores more points might win. Uh, oh. to, go, to go for the offense there, that's crazy. Mind blown. A confetti coming out of my head. Um, so I'm picking games in the SJS, particular divisions one through three. And I think it's important, you know, Ben mentioned his seven, eight run, whatever, through the, uh, the SJS. If you can find any human being on the planet who picked the SJS games perfectly last week, Ben Enos will give them the pink slip to his car. That's how difficult and how close these teams are. Okay. They might be disappointed. I drive a Corolla, man. They, they'll still take it. Um, the parody in the SJS is absolutely insane. Uh, Assistant Commissioner Will DeBoard said to just enjoy it, like, because you don't get to experience that often. And it was the theme of our preview leading up to this is if anything here surprises you, you're not paying attention. And that's really how it was. We were all wrong. Everybody was wrong who picked games, and not just because. You know, everything was wrong. We were kind of about, I think everybody's about half and half or so. Um, but it's just impossible to just know how these things are going to shape out. Uh, I think Vanden was probably way better than anyone imagined. But that was that was down in D4. Um, but other than that, I think everything just kind of, it's, it's kind of a toss-up. So my toss, this is I'm not long, long whole preview to my picks, but here we go. So D1, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Rockland. Likely no Kenny Luth, possibly some Kenny Luth, but we're all team Joey Roberts, as we talked about. Yeah. 
So we, we know Joey's going to do well, but um, um, the big thing here is Tyler Tremaine, you know, is going to be in this matchup and he wasn't in the first matchup against Rockland. So the difference between, you know, I guess some backups there and Tyler Tremaine is that instead of, again, with, you know, some picks and maybe under 200 yards passing or something like that, I think he still had around 230 against Rockland, but in the other games, not so much. We'll probably see closer to like 270 plus with some touchdowns. So that's going to make a difference. I think it's going to be a little bit closer to that shootout kind of game that Rockland and St. Mary's has. But the difference is, um, while Folsom is better with Tyler Tremaine, Rockland's also better because they've got the experience of now been in a shootout. They've been down. They've won clutch games. So I, I still think that both teams had a, a big emotional week the week prior and going into this is kind of even. And I think Rockland's just overall the better team having seen both programs. Um, but Folsom's still very, very tough. And I won't be surprised if they win. We usually pick one of our three picks a lock. So I don't think you're going to make Folsom a lock probably. Or Rockland a lock or are you? Uh, no, I'm going to make D3 my lock. Okay. All right. So, uh, I will go ahead and do my lock now. I'm going to take Wilcox, uh, in the division CCS division two championship game. Uh, Wilcox is playing Menlo school, uh, out of Atherton, uh, Menlo school, big offense, lots of points, very dynamic, great quarterback in Sergio Beltran. Wilcox plays the veer and veer teams can be the death of really good opposing offenses because they don't let those offenses get on the field enough. Middle School has been awesome, an awesome story this year, but Wilcox is the proven commodity at this time of the season. And I think the Chargers grind out a tight, low-scoring victory behind running back Luther K. Glenn, and I am putting the Chargers on lock. Ooh. That's your lock, huh? Yep. Lockdown. Okay. It's my turn, huh? It is your turn. Here's my lock. Give me Menlo School. Yes. Again, I told you earlier that I'm feeling offensive. <laughs> And not just with the cornucopia of bad jokes that I possess. In two playoff wins, Coach Todd Smith's Knights have put up 47 against Half Moon Bay and 45 against the number one seed, San Benito of Hollister. Sergio Beltran, who apparently you've forgotten about, is completing passes at a 75% clip. He's got nearly 3,300 yards and a rather pedestrian 51 touchdown tosses. I know what you're going to say, but Ben, over the last seven games, which are all wins, Wilcox is allowing just 13 points a game. And yes, I would say you are right. But I will also say that I believe in the soul. I believe in the curveball. I believe in the, well, yeah, maybe that joke is a bit forced and a little P, too PG-13 for our audience. But I believe that offense will rule the day. And I believe Sergio Beltran and Austin Carter Samuels have that Ebby Calvin, Nuke Lelouch, Crash Davis connection. Give me the Knights, lock it in, and you will be wrong this week, my friend, wrong. Love it. I love how he does Chase Bryson impressions without changing his voice. He just continues the same exact character. It's like, a, um, yeah, Man on the Moon when, uh, when he, he just, you know, I am now, you know, the president or whatever. <laughs> I could do Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, there we go. <laughs> All right, uh, Ike, who's next? Okay, so a quick D2 um, pick for me, um, Central Catholic and Monterey Trail. I know I picked Monterey Trail as the most likely um, uh, bottom seed to win a game. Um, parody's tough here. This is pretty much a toss-up game, but I will pick Monterey Trail. I think Central Catholic overwhelmed Antelope last week, um, uh, but I think just in terms of uh, recent... Um, challenges met. I think Monterey Trail is, is the better postseason team here, considering what they've done consistently throughout the playoffs. I think Central Catholic was awesome last week. Um, 
but I think, you know, just got to pick a Monterey trail, go with my gut and um, got a big gut. So I think it works out. <laughs> uh, the last, should I go through the last one, which is D3? Um, yeah, go ahead. You, start, you can start around three, do it. Okay, very quickly, long time VOL coverage guy. Um, my first newspaper job was the Mantega Bulletin. Um, from there, I worked for the Oakdale Leader. So I've extensively covered these programs. I know the history here. And I know one thing, and that's when Manteca loses to a team in, in the VOL play, they will absolutely be able to beat that team in the section finals. Uh, they did it to Sonora one year, where Sonora was like the best team since sliced bread. Sonora coach makes a comment about Manteca having a soft defense or something like that. And it was literally on the locker room wall all year long. Manteca gets motivated by those kind of things. Um, anything you could say, or um, even just a loss earlier in the year. Um, so I think uh, in 2017, they showed Oakdale that when they lost to Oakdale in league and came back and beat him in the finals. Um, so I would actually pick Manteca in this one. And Manteca is my lock coming in as the underdog, wow. um, as the lower seed. Uh, it's a neutral site. And Manteca has Blake Nicholson, who they did not have against Oakdale in their VOL matchup when Manteca was shut out by Oakdale, but still held Oakdale to a pedestrian scoring um, game. So I think Manteca is the lock here and a real threat to win a NorCal Bowl game as well. Very nice. Chase knows all about Thor. I do know about Thor. I picked, I, I rode Thor, I rode Thor's hammer there for, uh, for a rapid fire a couple weeks ago. Actually, the Buffaloes have been good to me in rapid fire picks. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, my last pick for all the things that Ben already said about that CCS Division One championship uh, game, I'm going to take St. Francis for my last pick. This is just the right team and the right year for the Lancers. This team has just been more physical and more polished than every squad has taken on this season. And beating a team as good as Sarah, as good as Sarah twice is no easy task, but it's one they can accomplish if they play the same way they played all year. If they play their best game, I think Ben's right. They will be the open uh, CIF open division representative for Northern California. So I will take the Lancers as my final pick. The most important part of that analysis was the last part. Ben is right. Uh, all right. I've already come at one of you. I'm coming at the other one now. Let's go. I am wrapping up in the Sac Joaquin section in Division Two, Central Catholic, squaring off with Monterey Trail of Elk Grove. Now, fans are going to be treated to quite a game this weekend on Saturday night. And when I say treated, I mean treated because this is going to be an incredible football game. Now, last week in this spot, I treated you to the legend of pony boy. I told you that the Raiders would ride pony boy to victory in perhaps my finest usage of a great pun yet. And what happened? Aiden pony boy, Taylor rushed for 132 yards and three touchdowns and a 35 to nothing win. Now, we have spent our share of time documenting Monterey Trail's ability to pound the rock. And last week, Ali Collier ran for 120 yards and three touchdowns of his own in their 27-23 win over Elk Grove. So whose running game reigns supreme? Well, Monterey Trail's really rolling at the right time. But for me, Central Catholic has answered nearly every question it's been asked this year. The autumn wind is indeed a Raider. Give me Central Catholic in a game for the Hank Stram enthusiasts. That was 45 seconds just so that you could say the autumn wind is a Raider. You're damn right it was. <laughs> it's getting oh, late man. in the season here, and I've earned the right to tell 
people whatever I want. That 45 seconds is eating the fortune cookie and then you pull out, the, oh, the autumn wind is a rain. That's right. It's the buildup. Absolutely. All right. So now uh, we've reached our rapid fire portion. Ben and I are will uh, each give each other two games this week uh, instead of three. Uh, and we decided they had to be um, in D3 or below. Uh, so I will start. Uh, I feel free to chime in peanut gallery wise, however you like, um, because uh, Ben is going to be put on the spot here and a chance to come at you again. We will start with division three in the South Joaquin section, mm. Oakdale versus Manteca. The Valley Oak League, Ben, has been your league all year long. You've been championing it since August and you had to make, we had to make wild predictions. And you said the Valley Oak League was going to be the most contested league in all the land. And you were right. They had four, four teams in, in, uh, in, semifinal games last week so that's that's pretty darn impressive and now they, and they have three in finals so here we go now we have two of his teams playing against each other for the division three title you know what ike said earlier just now about everything there's a 20 nothing oakdale the first time around but as ike mentioned no thor now the calpreps.com hal 9000 dot matrix printer texas instrument calculator sony walkman commodore 64 says it's oakdale by just eight this time around what say you? Are you going with Hal or are you going with Ike? Ike is an expert in these things. Ike, Ike's bona fides in that area of the world cannot be questioned. Ike is right. Buffaloes are right. I am taking Manteca. Fantastic. He's bona fide. <laughs> All right, Ben, go. Well, we've talked about Rockland already. But Chase has stolen a little bit of my thunder. But watch now as I do it better. It is time to see if Chase will once again fly in the face of the HAL 9000, Dot Matrix, Epson Stylus, Texas Instruments, Sony Walkman, AOL Instant Messenger, Tom from MySpace is my only friend, computer. Turn up the volume, my friend, because it's the SJS Division Three final. Your allegiance to the Buffaloes in the playoffs is well known now. Blake Nicholson and company rolled the fighting zebras last week. Meanwhile, Oakdale is like the old flame Chase dumped at the school dance. (laughs) But the Mustangs are on a five-game win streak that includes a 28 to nothing win over these Manteca Buffaloes. And Oakdale has won its two playoff games by a combined score of 73 to seven. Now, let me caution you before you try to woo Oakdale back, Chase. Thor wasn't there the first time, as you know. Thor is here. Will you re-pledge your allegiance to your old flame Oakdale, the team that carried you through the early season that you couldn't quit? Or is your new flame, Manteca, more appealing? Oh, man. I can't go I can't go against the Buffaloes. They've been there for me all the way through. I'm going to stick with Manteca. And I'll you guys realize if... If we'll we have three picks, picks for Antigua, I literally can't even go back to Oakdale. <laughs> well, yeah, it's tough. That's a tough game, one for you. The first game was at the Corral as well, correct? Wasn't yeah. it at Oakdale? I yeah. believe so, yeah. yeah. All right, Ben, here's your last one. Not a lot of talk on this one. Very simple. Division four, North Coast section. On Saturday afternoon, Cardinal Newman. And Marin Catholic will play an NCS championship rematch from 2019 in which Cardinal Newman won 13 to 10. Does Marin Catholic get its revenge in this one? Uh, no. 
Marin Catholic. I'm going with Marin Catholic. So they do get their revenge. Oh, I'm sorry. I was paying attention. <laughs> um, yeah, it, no, it's Marin Catholic. Uh, it's it's in Kentfield. Yes. Was that? It's in Kentfield it's in, in the Kentfield. afternoon. Yeah. 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 That's a tough place to. I, I've seen my share of games there. That's a uh, tough atmosphere. They're going to be cranked up for an NCS title game. And uh, Coach Moyed is one of the best in the North Coast section, simply put. So, yeah, Marin Catholic for me. All right, let's wrap this thing up. I feel like I need to channel Bob Marley for this last pick. Yeah. And again, you really should have expected this. Last <laughs> week, your northern section bona fides were put to the test, and you did not pass Failed. as Foothill of Palisadro beat Pleasant Valley of Chico extending Pleasant Valley of Chico's woes publicly lately, uh, 23 to 15. Now you get to try again. Foothill travels to Chico High School to take on the Panthers for all the marbles. These two have played twice this year, and Chico has a pair of wins over the Cougars. Now we've talked about Dion Coleman in the spot before, but last week it was Troy Summer coming up with a pair of touchdowns for Chico. So which will it be? Do you fancy a fine craft beverage at Sierra Nevada? Or will you be humming along to Oki from Muskogee and choosing the final home of country music legend Merle Haggard? What is happening? <laughs> um, it is really hard to beat a good team three times. I think I'm still with I'm still with Chico. I'm gonna take Chico. I don't know. I, I I'm surprised that Foothill beat Pleasant Valley. So maybe maybe I'm I'm backwards here and I should flip it, but. My, my gut says Chico, I'm taking the Panthers. Pour me a Frosty Sierra Nevada. Let's go. To the Torpedo Room. And with that, we will wrap up another week of Seven Friday Night. We want to offer our sincerest thank you to Dublin 3 Sport Monster TJ Costello, Mr. Volo Butcher Knives, to all friends of the pod. We also deeply appreciate Ike Dawson joining us for practically the full show. Be sure to read his feature on Rockland High's High Wire semifinal win at sportsstarsmag.com. We'll link to it in the extras portion of this episode page. And finally, a thank you to Coach Edson for making his weekly appearance and providing just the right mixture of bitterness and enthusiasm. Seven Friday Night is available on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. If you listen to shows on one of those platforms, search for the number seven Friday night and please rate and subscribe. We build Seven Friday Night using Anchor, you can leave a voice message for us by visiting anchor.fm slash seven Friday night. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there, find links to the various other platforms, and check out a variety of bonus items that we tend to include. Also, be sure to follow the magazine on Twitter at at sportsstarsmag and our new podcast Twitter home of at sportsstarspods. If you want to follow either Ben or myself on Twitter, you'll find us tagged on either of those accounts quite often. Design and photography for our cover art was by yours truly. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips, who performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area, including an awesome cover band called Popular Demand. Please look them up and like them on Facebook or peep their website, sacramentocoverband.com. And that'll do it, Ben. Uh, final thoughts as we head into championship weekend. Yeah, it's championship week. What, what more can you say? I, I know I mentioned cloning myself last week, but uh, can we make that happen this week? Does the Sports Stars budget allow for extra Ben? Uh, if so, I have many questions this week. Can a dinged up Pittsburgh rebound in the NCS D1 final against Clayton Valley? 
is Folsom all the way back? And how much does Rockland have left for the SJS D1 final? Is St. Francis the best team in all the land? So good, in fact, they can beat Sarah again? I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out the answers to all these questions and more this week. Ike, what are you most excited to see? Um, well, now that the game is probably about wrapping up since it's a uh, Monday night, I'm excited to see how magnificent my score was over you. So someone asked me, you know, have you beat Ben Enos in fantasy football? I can say Ben there done that. Hey, wow. Wow. Oh, it fits right in with our pun making machine. <laughs> Who invited this guy? <laughs> all right. We hope everyone enjoys the games. We'll be back next week to talk all about it. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.